Hello, everybody. Welcome to Typhoon Talks, brought to you by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. My name is Kelly Hasiacher, and I'm an analyst here at Typhoon. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Smiley Pozwalski, a millennial workplace expert and best-selling author of the Quarter Life Breakthrough. So, millennials have been entering the workplace since about 2000, and in a previous episode, we talked about Generation Z and how they're distinct from millennials. So today, we'll be talking about something that's not only common to millennials, but also relevant to other generations. The big question we want to consider is how to inspire and find purpose and meaning in the workplace and how millennials have highlighted this purpose. So to start us off, Smiley, could you tell us who are the millennials and what really defines them in the workplace? Sure. So millennials, generally, there's about 300 million of them in China, about 70 million in the U.S. Uh, they're folks that are born pretty much between 1980 and 2000. Uh, some people make the cutoff around 83, 84. Uh, but generally, this is a, a large generation. It's the largest generation demographically in the workplace today. Uh, an incredibly important generation because uh, in technology and in many entrepreneurial endeavors, they're kind of leading the way both in Silicon Valley and, and throughout the tech world. So they're really shaping kind of workplace culture around some, some values that are unique. I mean, they're coming of age in a time where uh, obviously technology is crucial, digital natives, but also where people are staying in their job for a lot less time, where automation is taking over a lot of jobs, where the workplace is changing. So they have different priorities. Uh, they're also kind of coming of age in the midst of, you know, after a recession, global recession in 2008, 2009, which kind of makes them, I think, more interested in present day concepts around meaning, fulfillment, purpose, uh, experience, community, and less likely to delay those sensations, those feelings of fulfillment until retirement or until later years. So I think that that's an important thing. So then, in the sense of the the global recession was a global experience, is that the main thing that ties the generation together? I think that that is a huge factor. I think that it's also the sense that uh, young people kind of have a different priority around what they're looking for in life because they've seen so much change so quickly that they say, okay, uh, instead of just money and salary and a job that I'm going to stay in, for 10, 15, 20 years, uh, that's no longer possible, right? Because uh, the way that globalization has happened and technology, the same jobs be around after 10 years. So you constantly have to adapt and be flexible and innovate. So young people are saying, okay, what really matters then? Meaning, purpose, doing something I care about, uh, making an impact. 50% of millennials would take a pay cut to find work that matches their values. 90% want to use their skills for good. So despite all, you know, all, all of these kind of indicators around unemployment and recession and, and jobs crisis, you still see millennials saying, okay, the most important thing that matters is, is purpose in the workplace. Deloitte's millennial survey, which is actually a global survey, 8,000 millennials in about 30 countries found that 75% uh, of millennials think the business world is getting it wrong that businesses are too focused on their own agenda, you know, on profit and not focused enough on improving society around kind of social environmental uh, changes. And and that's really, you know, to millennials, why, why they leave jobs is often because of that, because they don't have that right culture fit, because they're not at a place that really values them for kind of more than just what their job title is, but is actually trying to uh, figure out who they are as a whole person and, and allow them to make a difference in the world. Right. Uh, so you see that companies are spending a lot more time investing in those areas around not just professional development, but personal development in the workplace around learning, around growth, around education, 
I like to say kind of work is, work is the new grad school. You know, before it used to be that you would work for a few years and then when you kind of got to a plateau, you would go to graduate school, you go to business school, law school uh, to kind of take yourself to the next level professionally. Now employees are kind of expecting top companies to provide that learning, that exposure, that growth, those new skills for their people. Uh, and if they don't get them at one place, they're going to get them at another company and they're going to leave. Right. Uh, millennial turnover in the U.S. alone costs, costs companies $30 billion a year. This is from millennials, you know, leaving, you know, staying about six months or a, or a year, which, you know, after you train someone and then they leave is incredibly costly for organizations. So I think every company needs to figure out how, how can we increase retention uh, around this, this young workforce while understanding that they're not going to stay in their job forever, right? right? That that old way, that old kind of career ladder mindset, as I call it, that used to be you, you went to school, you picked a, a career path, and then you stayed, you, you found a company and you got in at the ground level and you, you were there for 20, 25 years and you retire, it, it's it's obsolete. Um, if, if that happens, that's the exception, not the rule. Uh, and most people are going to have a lot of jobs in their lifetime. The average millennial will have 10, 15, 25 different jobs in their life. So they have to be creative. They have to be flexible. They have to constantly be learning new skills, trying new things, and they have to find a workplace that empowers them to do that. That says, okay, we want you to come in here for five years. We know you're not going to stay 25 years, but we want you to do five years. What are your goals? What do you want to do when you leave? How can we help you achieve those goals? How can we find that kind of that mutual relationship where, you know, the, the, the employee is getting something out of it and so is the company. Right. So you, you mentioned that it's become a bit like grad school and there's a lot of, of emphasis placed on personal development as well as professional development. So then in a give and take relationship, what have millennials brought to the equation? Uh, what other contributions do they make that make companies so enthusiastic to change their ways to try and empower them? Yeah, well, I think that this is an incredibly mission-driven generation. And when you have people that are mission-driven, and if you're a company that has big goals that's trying to do something important in the world, these are the exact type of people you want to meet. Uh, Meaning-hungry, hard-working folks that are trying to make a difference with their, their work, they're going to work as hard as they possibly can if, they're on, if you're on the same page around your values, your mission, your purpose, the change you're trying to bring in the world with your product and your company. They're going to work long hours. They're going to work from home. They're going to work remotely. They're going to do whatever it takes because they care. If you don't have that mission fit, of course, you know you don't. <laughs> that, then you have the complete opposite problem, which which is people that are, are checked out. Yeah. But I think that that's okay. You want people on your team that believe in the company, believe in the team's mission, believe in the product you're selling, believe in your company. Uh, so if you find those people, millennials that that are aligned, right, then you you've just found yourself people that are going to bring in an incredible desire and passion for their work. And this is a very, you know, passionate, purpose-driven generation. You hear the stereotypes a lot on social media and in the news. Oh, millennials, they're the entitled generation, the me-me-me generation, the selfie generation. I think it always is, it comes back to, okay, they take a lot of selfies, which is true. I think everyone takes a lot of selfies now. Uh, maybe it started with millennials and their iPhones, but that's an unfair stereotype. If you actually look at the data, uh, it's an incredibly hardworking generation uh, that's working long hours. That's in many cases has to to work incredibly difficult just to pay off the, the student debt that they have from college and wants to work hard. So the kind of entitlement stereotypes don't seem to actually don't, when you look at the data, they, they actually don't shake out. IBM did a fascinating study, uh, also a global study that found that millennials aren't entitled. They, they're not the trophy generation. They actually just want a boss who is uh, ethical, fair, and transparent, which is something I think everyone that's in the workplace, regardless of age, wants. They just want a boss and a team that's transparent that says, hey, this is what's happening. This is why we're making this change. This is why you didn't get a raise or did get a raise. 
Uh, they just want that transparency and clarity around their work. And if, they, if you provide that, uh, they're going to show up. Uh, so I think it's a give and take. I, I always recommend, um, I think on the flip side, one of the things that millennials need to work on, you know, because it's not millennials are all great, right? I, I happen to be an advocate for the millennial generation and a spokesperson for millennials, but I do believe that we do have some challenges and I think one of them is around patience. I think this is a generation that's used to, with digital technology and their phones, and how they grew up, kind of getting things instantaneously, right? Uh, you can get an Uber, you can get an Airbnb, a hotel, you can get uh, food delivered, uh, you can talk to your friend all around the world instantly, right? All you have to do is press two buttons and you can pretty much, you know, things can happen so quick. But career satisfaction, uh, meaningful work, a transformational organization, a really innovative product, you can't, that's not an app. You can't swipe right for that, right? Yeah. Those things take time. They take time, they take learning, they take skills, they take patience. So one of the things when I, when I talk to millennials that I encourage them to think about is, okay, you have the drive, you have the mission, you have the passion, you want to come in and shake everything up, you want to make all of these changes, you want to kind of change the way your company is going. All of those are good intentions to have and take a deep breath. It's not going to happen overnight. Be patient. So work hard. Prove yourself. Uh, add value. I always say add value before asking for favors. Uh, don't expect things to happen overnight. Patience and, 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 and purpose go well together, right? You can't just have the purpose. But if you have the purpose and you're patient and, and you're willing to kind of not assume that, you know, things, especially in a large organization or where there's a large bureaucracy or you're working with a company that's been around for 20, 30, 50, 100 years, things are going to take time. There's a reason why certain systems are in place. Try to change those systems, but stick around and, and, and don't don't get frustrated, uh, you know, if they don't happen in a week or a month, right? So in the sense of patience, I can imagine that the marketing aspect or the consumer aspect of economic landscape is really... Well, they are ready to fulfill that need. So is the lack of patience the biggest stumbling block for millennials in the workplace? I think lack of patience is, is a big one. I think um, a little bit of an over-reliance on technology is also, you know, something that's important. I think that, you know, as, as we go into it, where everything is digital and all of our communication is on chat and WeChat or, or Slack or social media or instant messenger or video chat or whatever, people forget to have, how to have a real conversation, a face-to-face -face conversation, uh, a phone call. Uh, this is how business is done. Uh, through meetings, through actually looking someone in the, the eye and figuring out how to get from point A to point B. This is how great products are built. So I, I think it's also millennials need to not forget the importance of in-person connection, in-person community and in-person team buildings, because the, these are the things that actually lead to lead to a real change. Uh, and they lead to innovation, they lead to creative growth. It's not just kind of, you know, being able to do something awesome on a computer. I think that the, between that and the patient, piece you have some of the major roadblocks um, so then in in a sense of designing specific workplace culture to help Millennials and then helping Millennials integrate into existing workplace cultures are there any specific examples that you can mention about these stumbling blocks like overlines on technology or patients or any other ones yeah I think that there you know IBM did a great program called Millennial core where they were kind of responding to the fact that Millennials really didn't feel heard in the workplace so I think that some of the kind of stereotypes around entitlement come from, from Millennials they really want to say hey did you see what I did or they want to have a seat at the table right and i think that it is important for companies to provide that so kind of they they created this program called millennial core where they would have about uh several thousand millennials throughout the company in different in different sectors and different countries 
uh, that were working for IBM, and they would go to them with, okay, we're going to have this new product launch, or this is an important initiative for the company. What do you think about it? Fill out this survey or hop on this call or write a blog post about it. Um, and what it did is it kind of just made, made these millennials feel heard, gave them a seat at the table. Uh, and I think that's a great solution for kind of saying, okay, some companies will say, oh, millennials, they just always want attention. They want to be heard, and they ignore them. Well, then they, they leave, and then you just lost someone that might actually be providing value. Instead, you could say, okay, how do we bring them to the table? How do we give them a voice? They're not going to have the final say, right? They're not going to decide everything the company does. Some of them are quite young, and they don't have a lot of experience, but they're at least going to have a seat at the table. The other thing that I recommend is around intergenerational collaboration. And this is especially important for companies where they have a large millennial workforce, but they also have a lot of people that are over the age of 50, 55, a large baby boomer population. Bringing those two people, two groups together to co-lead, I call it co-leadership, where you would pair someone who's early talent, a millennial, someone who's young, to co-lead a project that's of paramount value to the to C-level executives, to co-lead a project with someone that's a baby boomer, with someone that has 15, 20, 25 years of experience in their industry, right? So then you're bringing together someone that has all this experience and someone that's young and fresh, but maybe has some really interesting ideas. Maybe they don't know a lot about the company, but they're adept when it comes to social media. They have a lot of tech skills. Maybe they're really thinking about design in an interesting way. Maybe they have this whole community of young millennials uh, that could get excited about the company. So you bring these two people together to co-lead a project, and that's where the magic happens, right? Because suddenly, it's not about millennials versus baby boomers. It's not about millennials suck or millennials are awesome. It's like, we're all on the same team here. We work for the same organization. How can we work together? Uh, how can we make our baby boomers feel heard? How can we make our millennials feel heard? And then obviously a generation that never gets any love. There's never any podcasts about Gen X. That's yeah. the generation in the middle, right? Folks that are mostly, uh, let's say, born in the 70s. This is the generation that's actually a lot, a lot of times at many organizations doing the real work because they're senior managers. They're managing a lot of the millennial talent who are demanding and have lots of ideas and can get frustrated easily. So how can we bring all of those people to the table? How can we listen to all of them? How can we empower all of them? So I think that that's important. I think the other thing is really creating a culture of learning and development, of growth, where mistakes are embraced, where failure is embraced, where uh, classes are offered, where people can learn new skills, and you have the ability to try different projects that are outside of your job description and outside of your job title. This is something that when you talk to millennials, they're very excited about because Frankly, they don't know exactly where they're going to end up, and nor does the world, because, you know, if you think about it, social media has been around 15 years, 10, 15 years. What's going to happen in the next 10, 15 years, especially when you factor in AI automation? You have to try new things. You have to learn new skills. So companies that say, okay, you're, this is what we hired you for. You can't touch that project, or you can't go to talk to that team, or you can't go to that conference. It's not in your it's not in your purview or it's not under your JD or your job description or, or we hired you for this. Don't talk about that or don't read that book or don't look there. Don't go to that meeting. You're going to lose those people because they're going to get bored and at some point they're going to have to learn those new skills or they're going to become obsolete because you know everyone has to learn these new skills regardless of their function. That's where the world is headed uh, and millennials get that. They're looking at the next 20, 30 years being like, what is business going to look like, right? What jobs are, are going to be available? What jobs are going to be taken over by robots? Uh, how do you actually stay competitive in the future of work? Well, one way to start is to be always learning, right? And to make sure that your organization and company 
wants you to grow and wants you to become indispensable and wants you to wear multiple hats. You know, this doesn't mean you don't become an expert. You always have to be an expert in something, but you also have to, to, to learn a lot of different things. So I think that that's really important. Um, a lot of times, you, you know, you're, you're really hearing that millennials are wanting that personal development that you would normally find from a coach, you know, something that's like an outside program, grad school, a seminar. Uh, millennials are expecting to get that in their organization. Uh, I like to say that HR is the new life coach, uh, human resources, right? It used to be that HR was kind of a boring place. You know, if you think about the way we frame HR in, 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 in the media, if you've ever seen uh, the, the TV show The Office, there's an American version and a British version. Yeah. You know, you, it's like you got to go see Toby in HR, right? Whenever there's an HR character on TV, it's like HR is it's the worst. The HR, are, you know, you, you, ha you either see them when you're getting fired or when you break the law or something bad happens. But actually what you're seeing now is that HR is a really is the cool is the cool kids. It's the place to be. They're, they're the people people. They're the people in an organization that understand their human capital. They understand their dreams, their aspirations, their goals, where they want to be in five to ten years, what their strengths are, their skill sets, their weaknesses, and they kind of connect the dots to make sure that everyone in their organization is growing and getting to, on to the next thing. Uh, they're not trying to kind of just say, hey, this is your job. Thanks for signing this piece of paper. You'll get your paycheck every two weeks. Call us if you have any problem with your benefits. Give us your two-week notice. They're actively involved in their employees' day-to-day -day fulfillment and work. So that's something that millennials are demanding. They're also much more frequent feedback loops when it comes to uh, performance management. Uh, they don't want that annual performance review because they don't even remember a month ago, let alone a year ago, right? Because their lives move so quickly and the average you know, millennial is checking their screens several hundred times a day. So you can't remember your performance a year out. You want those feedback loops and that feedback from your manager on a frequent basis. So you're seeing a lot of people use a lot of data-driven performance management tools, uh, a lot of software around, you know, feedback and surveys and employee engagement to say, how are you doing this week? What changed for you? Uh, how could we be doing better? How could your boss be doing better? How could your teammates be doing better? How could the company be doing better? Uh, millennials want to kind of constantly be giving that feedback because then they feel like they're being heard and uh, that they're being seen. And I actually think that those changes are good for everyone, regardless of age in the workplace, because then you're getting this data that you can actually use and you can say, okay, 50% of our company hates their job and is miserable here. We're, we're not doing something right. We, we can change this. And you can track it over time, right? You can say, okay, quarter one to quarter three, we went up in employee engagement 20%. What were the changes we made? What, and how did that happen? Let's do more of that, right? Because if you have engaged employees, they're going to be more productive and they're going to help you achieve your mission and help you make more money as a company. So this is good for everyone. Yeah. It sounds like there's a very good trickle down effect of talking more about meaning and purpose in the workplace. So then in terms of your book, The Quarter Life Breakthrough, and what HR departments are doing, uh, what are some specific recommendations you've made in the past so that millennials can help discover for themselves what would bring them purpose, what would bring them meaning, and how to essentially find inspiration? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is really this kind of getting off uh, social media, not, not getting off for good, but kind of not comparing yourself with others, right? So kind of of moving beyond the FOMO, the fear of missing out, and the kind of saying, okay, this person has it figured out, or this person's life is so awesome, or this person has a, is making more money or has a better job than me, and figuring out who you are or what you care about. So doing the self-reflection around who you are, what your gifts are, 
what your what your interests are, what your strengths are, um, the type of envi- environment you want to be in, the type of questions you want to be asking, um, the problems you want to be solving, and not focus too much on what everyone else is doing. I think that that's a big baseline. The quarter life crisis usually stems from overwhelm, and when people say they feel stuck, and I and you push them on it, it's usually because they start everyone else they they assume everyone else isn't stuck or that everyone else has it figured out, which is usually not the case. Everyone's confused and everyone's figuring it out. Um, but I think that that's a big piece there. So I encourage people to really kind of uh, to focus on who they are and what they care about and to do a lot of reflection around that. I also encourage people to uh, treat their career like an experiment where they're, they're trying lots of things. Uh, this is, again, not the way that the career landscape used to move. It used to be that you better figure it out because you're going to be doing the same thing for 30 years. But that's not how it is anymore. Uh, so it's all about um, you know trying new things and prototyping. And if you're interested in something, you know, do an apprenticeship, try it out, uh, have coffee with someone, shadow someone for a day, and see if you like what the environment that they work in. Ask them about their job. Read the books that are important in that field. Uh, get that information rather than thinking that just because you picked something when you were 22 that you're going to be able to do that for the rest of your life because that's just not realistic anymore. I talk a lot about in the book about community. I think that this is a big piece, especially as as we move deeper and deeper into the digital world, that the importance of in-person connection and meeting people, whether it's at conferences, at meetups, um, at co-working spaces, you know, for fellowship programs, for travel, leadership development programs, these are the types of people, these networks, these connections that will change your life. These are the types of people that will get you a job, uh, that will champion you, that will help you achieve your business goals, that will help you write a book, that will help you build creative dreams, will help you sell a product. Whatever it is that you want to do, you have to have these connections. And they can't just be people that, that you're friends with on, on, uh, on WeChat, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, social media, whatever it is. They have to be people that you have real life experience with. I, I think that that's crucial. I mean, uh, the, the statistics are pretty clear that the majority of people get their job from networking, from someone that they know. They don't get their job from blindly applying to a, you know, something on a website because just too many people apply. Right. Right. So you have to have that in, that, that in-person connection. So I talk about that. I talk about making the ask, you know, making these big, bold asks where you're putting yourself out there, uh, really going for it, uh, trying new things. Um, and in place you want to work, if you want to make a change within your current job, if you want to try a new project at your organization, you have to speak up and, and voice it, right? doesn't mean you're, you know, everything you want is going to happen tomorrow, but if you don't tell anyone, uh, nothing will change. And I, I think that that's, that's really been important. The other thing is, I think this is important, um, you know, to talk about for the, the Asian market, which is a little bit more traditional, but don't wait for permission, right? Yeah. So we, we've constantly been taught, okay, like, hey, Smiley, you're a, now that you're a published author, you get to write. Well, let me tell you, when I first started with my book, I got rejected by a publisher. I had to self-publish and sell a bunch of copies in order to get the intention of Penguin Random House, right? When I started public speaking, I had to start speaking in my friends' offices and at my friends' you know, organizations for free because that's how you do it. Like if you keep waiting for somebody to give you the kind of the credential, the award, the certification that says, okay, now you get to open this shop. Now you get to build this website. Now you get to be an artist. Now you get to be an entrepreneur. Now you're, you know, a UX designer. Uh, now you're a, a consultant, a strategist. You're going to wait your whole life. 
right? So the rules are out the window. You get to decide when you are those things, right? That, that, that doesn't mean you don't have to be good. If you want to get paid and if you want to become valuable to organizations, you better be good. But you're going to get good by starting and not waiting for someone else to give you approval. I, I think the old school mentality was, let me do all of these things so that at some point someone that is in a fancy office that has a lot of plaques on their wall and diplomas is, okay, you've made it, Smiley. Now you are able to be a real co contribution to society. Now you're an author. Now you're a speaker. Now you get to run a business. That That's out the window. The world is moving so quick. The people that make important things in this world, they just make them, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, they make them from their dorm room. They make them from the cafe. They make them from uh, their iPhone, their, their Android, whatever. They make them because they decided to make them. That's it. So I really encourage young people to go for it and, and to kind of uh, the subtitle the subtitle of my book, The Quarter Life Breakthrough, is invent your own path, find meaningful work, and build a life that matters. And I think that that first piece there, invent your own path, is crucial, right? There's no longer these pre-described path paths that you get to choose. Uh, in a way, that was easier. I thought I think in a way it's really boring the old career the old career paradigm, the old career ladder where it's like okay, doctor, lawyer, environmentalist, engineer. Right? Businessman, businesswoman, and you have to pick one of these things boring, right? Now though, there isn't the, the at least at least before though our, our parents' generation kind of had those paths. You get you get okay, there's thirty paths, pick one. Now there's thousands there's a million paths. Now you don't even know what the paths are. They're all they all blend together, right? New paths are opening every single second, which on the one hand is scary. And really overwhelming and i think that's why people get this quarter life crisis today especially since with social media they can see all the options right and it's incredibly empowering it's an opportunity if you reframe it it's exciting because now you don't have to wait for permission now there isn't a clear path there isn't that kind of formal okay if you do this you're going to be prepared for this nope that's out the window because the person that was prepared for it two years ago is already out of date so you better just invent it yourself and make it happen Right? You gotta invent the job. And I don't just mean as an entrepreneur, I mean within an organization. If you really wanna be satisfied within an organization, if your organization is actually relevant, is actually innovative, is actually growing, making money, and doing something important in the world, it's going to have to let their people uh, reinvent themselves. It's gonna to have to let people invent their own path within the organization, or you're not gonna innovate anything. Right? You're just gonna have a lot of people that come in every day at nine o'clock and leave at five o'clock and don't do anything all day, but surf the internet. Yeah. Right. If you want people that are actually engaged doing something, you better let them invent their own path because uh, that's when magic happens. And that's when that's when innovation happens. So it sounds like the, the two big points to take away from that is that millennials and other young professionals will have to be very brave and also do a lot of self-reflection on what what they want out of life. That's right. So then just to look a bit further into the future. Do you foresee more changes as millennials move into higher management positions in different companies? You know, I think a lot of people that are older say, oh, we were just like millennials when we were young. It'll be different when they, you know, get older and start buying houses and having kids and all that. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Every, every generation changes as they get older. But I do think that the millennial values, you know, around, around meaning, around purpose, around social change around diversity and inclusion, uh, around the kind of connection that's come from growing up with social media and kind of being, you know, seeing what's happening around the world, that, you know, in the palm of your hand, I don't think that those are changing, 
right? So I think that those values around what matters most, around work being not something you do to make money, but something you do to define yourself and to define what you care about and define your values and what you want to achieve in the world, I think that that's going to be be consistent in the coming years, even as millennials get older. So I, and I think that that's the, the most important piece there. You know, uh, this meaning-hungry, purpose-driven, socially-minded generation, they, that's only going to continue. And that's going to have ramifications for business, for politics, for education, for every sector. And, and not just, you know, and that, that's global if you look at the data around that. It's not an American, that's not American data. You know, Deloitte's always Deloitte's millennial surveys are, are, are global, and it's it consistently shows so socially-minded business. I mean, I think you're seeing this with the kind of blend of some for-profit, non-profit structures, B corporations, benefit corporations, we, you know, even actually even with, with cryptocurrency and blockchain on the conversation around the future of finance and fintech and kind of around trust, right? People kind of rethinking these old systems that didn't really have a social value or uh, weren't really about people-to-people connection and were more about one company or or one bank owning kind of the rules of engagement and everyone else having to follow. Now people want the peer-to-peer trust, the peer-to-peer connection, the peer-to-peer empowerment uh, around whether it's crowdfunding or uh, financial transactions or connection uh, and communication. And I think that that's, that's stemming from some of these deep millennial values around being socially minded, wanting to connect with people, and distrusting of, of large institutions and large organizations. So then just to give our listeners a bit of a, an overview, what would you say are the key takeaways about millennials, millennials in the workplace and millennials looking forward? I think the biggest piece is, you know, don't don't believe the stereotypes. Don't believe the stereotypes that millennials are, are lazy um, and entitled. Uh, if you do, you will ignore the fact that they are incredibly hardworking meaning-hungry, purpose-driven generation that is going to be engaged with their work because they have to be. I think the challenges facing my generation, millennial generation, are incredibly serious. They're, they're too serious to ignore, uh, and we want those those challenges to become part of our work, and, and we'll make them part of our work because we have to, uh, because our future depends on it. So make sure you pay attention to this generation. They're the largest in the workplace. They're the future. They, they are, already are, in, in many ways, shaping the future. I think that that's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. So then thank you, Smiley, for joining us for today's episode. Thanks so, to- so much for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on the show. That wraps up today's episode of Typhoon Talks. Follow us on Twitter at Typhoon Buzz and on iTunes and SoundCloud at Typhoon Talks for podcast episodes. Also, please visit our website at typhoonconsulting.com for more industry points of view. We hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you.